0: This show is sponsored by the Cole Centre of Healing. Dr. Ted Cole is focused on why symptoms are occurring. Recognised internationally for his knowledge and experience, he has successfully treated a wide range of conditions using safe and effective therapies, including Lyme, autoimmune disorders, cancers, Parkinson's, and others. If your goal is to become as healthy as possible, they have the solutions. Visit ColeCenter.com. Today, my guest is Dr. Ted Cole from the Cole Center of Healing in Ohio. Thank you for joining me today, Ted.
1: Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure.
0: Well, can you tell the listeners your background first, please?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, educationally, uh, my undergraduate degree was in psychobiology. With a minor in biochemistry and molecular biology. And then I went to graduate school and got a double major in clinical and experimental psychology. From there, I spent four years as a psychologist working with children and families and realized after a time that I needed to get more of the medical side as well. So from there, I went to medical school. Uh, did my residency in family practice. And as soon as I got out of school, opened my own office and have been in private practice ever since.
0: Mm-hmm. And as you were saying before we started, that in your family practice you treat patients from birth to death and everything yeah. in between? Mm-hmm
1: yeah the full age range and (laughs) pretty much almost any condition you can think of will come through the doors
0: so what conditions are you treating LDN using LDN
1: yeah the main one that I started with and how I kind of got hooked into the information on LDN was with Hashimoto's or autoimmune thyroiditis I see a whole bunch of patients with thyroid issues and Uh, At this point, I kind of have a reputation I've had for a while that I'm a person to see if you have any kind of thyroid dysfunction. So as part of uh, that treatment, a lot of these patients have antibodies to their thyroid. And so I started using the LDN for that. At this point, I have to say it's probably, from what I can gather, at least 90% effective or so. Wow. So it's been a real game changer in being able to turn around some of these thyroid issues for people. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after that, kind of you know, start branching out as I learned more and in a much wider variety of conditions. Uh, cancer is a big one that we see. Psoriasis, Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, uh, fibromyalgia. I mean, a a number of different ones. And basically anything that I think has an autoimmune-type response involved with it. Lyme disease is another one that I've used to use it with fairly extensively and gotten good results with all of these at this point.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, we know that LDN isn't a standalone treatment. um, And if we go back to thyroid... um, If a patient comes to you feeling unwell, first of all, how do you detect that this patient has thyroid issues?
1: At this point, I know probably eight or nine different ways. Wow. (laughs) I'll do the the standard blood work, but I really rate that as probably the least valuable. The method I rely on the most is the Broda-Barnes, Approach using basal temperatures and pulse, and I'll use that to both diagnose and monitor treatment progression and adjusting doses for the patient.
0: Mm-hmm. And you were saying that uh, you use LDN, do you use it alongside of other treatments?
1: Yeah, uh, oftentimes they're going to need at least some temporary support with thyroid medication just to supplement the deficiency in the hormone production. But the other part that I look at, I mean, my question is always why. I mean, why is their thyroid not working? Is autoimmune really the only issue? Or do they have, which is usually the case, some nutritional disruptions and toxic loads that are contributing to the dysfunction and maybe even trigger this autoimmune condition to begin with? Uh, Lyme's notorious for triggering autoimmune issues so oftentimes i'll check for that just as a matter of course as well but it's really a matter of just tracking down the different issues and particularly in the nutritional and toxin exposure areas Mm
0: -hmm. and how do you test for the vitamins is that a blood test
1: uh some have to do through blood such as vitamin d that's going to be the best way to check that one I uh, also use tissue mineral analysis where you use hair as a sample. And I also use kinesiology or muscle testing. Those are going to be probably the three main ways that I assess that area of function. Mm-hmm.
0: And I know that everybody's different, everyone's individual, and everybody's needs are individual. But if you had to say, oh, yeah. for example, the top three vitamins that people are mainly deficient in, what would they be?
1: Uh, in my areas, uh, vitamin D is a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say probably 85% of people or so That's have high, lower levels of vitamin mm-hmm. D that are optimal. Um, magnesium is another one that tends to be uh, quite low on many people. And probably after that, boy, it's going to be a tough one, maybe potassium or some of the B vitamins and vitamin C. I, I oftentimes see patients who are deficient in those areas.
0: Mm-hmm. And how do your patients take these vitamins? I've been talking to some pharmacists as, as well as doctors, where they have intravenous vitamins.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, do do your yeah. patients take it that way or by by tablet capsules?
1: Uh, the most common way is orally mm-hmm. uh, with We do uh, a lot of intravenous work, but for the nutritional part, usually I'll use that if the person is pretty ill. It's more, for me, kind of a way to Mm (laughs) jumpstart and get them some increased nutrition quickly. And it's mainly due to the logistics, you know, the expense and the fact they have to come in the office for an IV, but a lot of people that I see are just so ill that You know, they need some immediate help, and that's really where the IVs shine.
0: Mm. And once you're on a regime of the vitamins and minerals, the supplements, does it stay Mm -hmm. the same? Or as people improve, do the number of – I was just thinking from a cost point of view – can you then reduce – what you take or are you always going to have to stay on that particular dose that they start on?
1: It, no. Um, and it kind of depends on the patient, but typically we'll recheck about every three months. It's a matter of getting things working better. Mm-hmm. And as you start to correct some areas, their nutritional requirements will change mm-hmm. some things they need more of than others, not so much. And from my perspective, I think, unfortunately, given the environment we have that's so toxic that at this point, food is just not sufficient to be able to give us enough nutrients. And I'm really a proponent of lifelong supplementation, but doing it in a way so that we can test in some manner to determine that individual's needs rather than just put them on something and say, okay, you know, you're just mm-hmm. going to be on that forever because yes. oftentimes, as they age or as they get different exposures injuries illnesses these kind of things their nutritional requirements can change quite a bit Mm
0: -hmm. and when you start prescribing ldm what dose do you typically start on
1: uh typically 1.5 milligrams at bedtime Mm
0: -hmm. and how quickly in the case of the thyroid patient would you increase that dose
1: I've been doing it every month. So uh, for the first month, we'll be on 1.5. The second month, we'll be on three milligrams, and then the last month, we go to the maintenance dose of 4.5 milligrams.
0: Mhm. And do you find that then affects the amount of um, thyroid medication they need?
1: Oh, oftentimes, yes. <laughs> And the good news is they typically need less. Exactly. And mm-hmm. this is something that, yeah, something I really have to tell them about and make sure they understand that as we go through this, oftentimes their requirements for the thyroid medication is going to change and it's going to decrease. Uh, so I have them monitor, particularly their pulses, on a regular basis to make sure we're not having any cardiac effects from the medication.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And what about pain? Have you found that LDN works well for those conditions that have a a pain element?
1: Yeah, it does. Uh, most of the time, these people are reporting that pain is decreasing, and it's kind of interesting too. I've got a couple patients that have been on long-term narcotic therapy, and all the indications I read stated, "Oh, don't use." LDN with these people they're going to have problems because their medication isn't going to work but I have to say my experience and this is just a couple of cases and they might be exceptions but I've been able to use LDN with them successfully without really disrupting their pain cycle.
0: That's interesting what are you still using the same dose or uh, an ultra low yeah. dose? Yeah
1: yeah.
0: Same dose? No the same dose. Wow yeah that is amazing i have spoken to some other doctors that have used ultra low dose and they found that it gave the opioid medication uh it worked more effectively than it had before oh, but yeah. um, if anybody is listening and they're thinking of taking both together please don't without having a medical <laughs> yeah. advice and medical supervision just in case, oh, you know, you can't just oh, yeah. uh, do it on your own. So
1: absolutely, because um, it really makes sense in this. Uh, if you because you get adaptation with most drugs, including narcotics. I mean, it's notorious that you know as you start adapting, and you need larger and larger doses. Mm-hmm. So it really makes sense, particularly like the other practitioner you mentioned that if you could give some, it may help reverse. Or at least slow down that adaptation effect, and I'm wondering if that's part of what I'm seeing.
0: Yes. I mean, it's not just America. I mean, I'm sure it's the whole world over that. There are so many people that are becoming legal drug addicts through uh, taking yeah. so many uh, pain medications, and they just mm-hmm. can't stop. And as you were saying, they have to keep increasing the dose to get the effects i mean which is it's just crazy isn't it um it's certainly not good yeah. for you or your organs uh. or or anything so i mean i have spoken to patients where their doctors have withdrawn the um the painkillers mm. which to me seems rather harsh if you're not going to taper it off and give them yeah. something If LDN could be a replacement for the opioid medications, which is not toxic or harmful to any of your other organs, I mean, morphine is terrible, isn't it? Um, The side effects of that. But I just can't believe that such a a low, non-toxic medication can be so effective. Uh, I've heard some absolutely mind-blowing um, stories from patients who were that their pain had been on a nine or 10 on a cocktail of all these medi- high opioid medications. And then they've taken LDN and they've come off all the opiate medications and it's gone down to yeah. say a three or a four, but they feel mm-hmm. they can tolerate that level of pain and still function normally which is really really good but by doing other things to help um, reduce the inflammation with diet and supplements and lifestyle changes has also got to to play a factor now mm-hmm. you were oh, yeah. you were saying about treating cancer i wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah the research on that is really interesting and at this point, pretty much all of it that I've read has shown positive effects. And again, it's not the only thing I use, so it's difficult to kind of sort out which agent is having which effect because they are on typically multiple therapies and for the cancer. But at this point, I mean, it, it seems to be a really good addition to the people's regimen. Um, And like I say, when I look at the literature, it's been really showing some benefit and some positive effects for it. So I'm hoping that uh, (laughs) this starts to become more widespread in use.
0: Mm -hmm. And what about LDN in children? Have you treated many children with LDN?
1: Not too many at this point, no. Um, I've got a couple and these are actually kids that have the Hashimoto's or autoimmune thyroiditis and i am seeing now it seems like at earlier and earlier ages Mm, like most things Mm. and the tolerance seems to be quite good i mean i haven't really run into you know any kind of significant side effects or anything like that with them at at that at a younger age
0: and are you using the um cream or liquid or do they
1: have capsules it's Uh, It's typically capsules. If need be, we order a liquid. We've got a couple of people who are using that, uh, particularly the the kids. Uh, It's just easier for them to take it that way. But most of them are on uh, capsules at this point.
0: Mm -hmm. So what about um, diet do you recommend for your patients?
1: I put together a couple approaches Uh, ketogenic diet is the basis for it Mm -hmm. and then on top of that I add what's called a fasting mimicking diet so on that one typically what they're doing the average adult is going to eat 800 calories or less per day for three to five days and then they can repeat that cycle anywhere from every two to four weeks And the combination of that is just really, I mean, the the research is kind of amazing on that. It seems like it's almost a complete metabolic reset that it does. So I've gotten really good results with with that approach, Mm -hmm. particularly in cancer. There's been a couple studies out in the last year that have looked at just a combination of ketogenic diet and hyperbaric oxygen therapy, And they've reported about an 85% success rate with advanced cancers with that approach.
0: Mm, That's very good. Now, if a patient comes to you and they have all these bizarre symptoms, I'm thinking Lyme disease here, but they don't know what's wrong (laughs) with them, but they can't (laughs) say to you, I've had a bullseye rash, and they're just Mm -hmm. feeling absolutely yuck, how do you go about, you know, unraveling the condition to find out they have Lyme disease?
1: I use a blood test called a CD57. Uh, the CD57 is a particular white blood cell. It's involved in the immune system response to infection. And if that number is low, there's only really two things we know of for sure that can decrease that, and that's Lyme and AIDS. So if they have a low CD57, it's pretty much diagnostic of a Lyme disease.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, how do you go about treating the Lyme disease?
1: Uh, that's a program as well. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll use intravenous treatments such as vitamin C. Uh, use hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Uh, I'll use different nutritional herbal agents. We'll test for those first. And then one that's extremely successful is called LDI, or low-dose infection therapy. This, too, is a therapy that directly affects the immune system. The theory behind it is all the symptoms are due to Lyme's effect on the immune system. Get the immune system straightened out, then you're fine. They didn't even care if you still had Lyme or not, Mm. (laughs) which I don't agree with. I think you still have to go after the, the infection itself. But from what I've seen, I think what this low-dose infection therapy does is also help the immune system better recognize and fight off Lyme and these other co-infections. And when we find the right dose with that therapy, they feel better that day. I mean, it's an extremely rapid rapid result with it. Uh, It's just an excellent treatment. Uh, so those are the main ones, supplements, IVs, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, and LTI. Mm-hmm.
0: And you're using LDN as well, I take it?
1: Yes, mm. right, yes, I'll use that with them also. Yeah. Right.
0: Now, I've spoken to quite a few people with Lyme disease who unfortunately have been to their doctor and told them how they feel. And they've been given antidepressants and told that it's all in their head. There's nothing wrong with them. You know, they've had a blood test and it's come back negative. So obviously they're just uh, terribly depressed and all, they're imagining all these awful symptoms. Yeah. And so many people suffer so badly that, and I find it really heartbreaking that they say, I was so disappointed when I woke up this morning you know, I just hope Mm. that I would die in the night, you know, that is just awful, isn't it? Because nobody believes you, nobody is helping you and you don't know where to turn and you just feel so ill. So if a patient came to you in that condition and you did what you have just said, how long would you think it would be? I know you said people feel better quite quickly before they could say that they had their lives back and they would be back on track?
1: Well, if we hit the right LDI dose that day, then it'll be that day. (laughs) But the problem is we have to find out the right dose for them, and that's basically guesswork. Mm -hmm. So I have to give them a dose and then see how they respond. The response then tells me if the dose is too strong or too weak or just right. So it's anywhere from that day to maybe a couple of months.
0: So I know know there'll be so many people really interested in this. And the questions they're going to ask is, do uh, insurance companies pay for it? Do they have to pay for it privately? And is the treatment expensive? Because these people mainly have tried absolutely everything and they haven't got any money. They're not working and they find treatments very difficult to afford.
1: Yeah, we run into that quite a bit as well. Fortunately, I mean, relatively speaking, it's not too bad. It unfortunately isn't covered by insurance, but the treatment itself we charge $100 US for.
0: Wow. That's amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing.
1: Okay. It was great.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Wow. What can I say? So people listening... If they would like to contact you, how do they get hold of you?
1: Uh, They can go to our website. It's coalcenter.com, and there's contact information there. Our phone number is in the U.S., 513-563-4321. And our email address is on the website as well, but that is also just info at coalcenter.com.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, the other question that people would ask me is, do you do only face-to-face consultations? Would you do like a Skype consultation? How, how does your service work?
1: It depends on where they're located. In the United States, uh, if I do any kind of telemedicine, I have to have a license in the state that that patient resides in. So basically, I'm limited to Ohio.
2: Okay, <laughs>
1: but mm-hmm. if it's, but if it's otherwise, I have to see them at least once a year in my office. And okay. at that point, I can do telemedicine for a full year, and then they have to, regardless of where they are in the U.S., I have to oh, okay. come in and see. Okay, if it's international, rules are completely different. I don't have to have any face-to-face, in-person contact with them we can do everything via telephone or Skype or something like that so international is easy <laughs> wow
0: that is totally amazing so the line people out there if you were just listen to that if you are outside of the US you can have a telephone or Skype consultation within the US if you are outside of Ohio it's one consultation per year than the other consultations can be remotely and if you're in ohio it can be a skype consultation my geography isn't very good ted how big is ohio (laughs) how big a state is it
1: oh what would i compare it to oh and just to clarify too if they're in the state of ohio they also have to see me physically at least once a year
0: oh okay okay Okay. sorry Mm -hmm.
1: but I can tell you, gosh, actual size, it takes about four hours to drive from the northern part to the southern part. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so I think that's probably...
0: What about east to somewhere west?
1: We're around 240 miles north and south and fairly similar east and west. It's,
2: okay.
1: It's not too much different. uh we're going north, south and east, west. So mm-hmm. it's about four hours drive across the state either way.
0: Okay. And whereabouts are you positioned in the state? Are you pretty central? Uh,
1: no, I'm in the southern part, um, uh, just north of Cincinnati, Ohio, in a okay. uh, town called Westchester. It's kind of halfway between Cincinnati and Dayton.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. Um, we've learned an awful lot from you. Really, do, really do appreciate it. Thank you for joining me.
1: My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Today, we're joined by Dr. Esther Konigsberg, who is the medical director at Holistic Natural Health, Integrative Medical Consultants Inc. in Toronto, in um, Ontario, in Canada. Thank you for joining us today, Esther.
3: It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Linda.
0: Well, it's so exciting. We have very few Canadian doctors who we've spoken to so far, so that's going to be of real interest. Can you tell our listeners, you know, your background, please?
3: Certainly. So I'm a medical doctor and um, I have been practicing as a family doctor, so um, I'm with the Canadian College of Family Practitioners as well, and um, I have been practicing conventional medicine for probably about 17 years. Um, I've always had an interest in holistic uh, and integrative medicine, and um, I, in the mid 90s, I started to uh, study with Dr. Deepak Chopra. And I teaching meditation and wellness courses based on Ayurveda and then um, and so as a family practitioner um, I became known for that and I started to attract a lot of people who are interested in a more holistic approach to health and wellness and then I did a, a fellowship in integrative medicine through the University of Arizona between the years 2001 and 2003. So then after 17 years, I opened up a uh, family practice center of integrative health and healing um, where I practiced with a, an array of uh, complementary and alternative medicine practitioners. And at that time, I practiced integrative family medicine. I had that center for five and a half years. Um, and uh, I wound it down after that for various reasons. And then in 2010, I started practicing solely as an integrative medicine consultant. So, um, so that's where I'm at at this moment in time. I've left primary care, and um, I just consult to patients who are interested in a more holistic approach.
0: Mm-hmm. So, are you treating, you know, from babies to geriatrics?
3: Well, I treat whoever shows up. (laughs) (laughs) So, so people find me, Mm -hmm. and um, because there's not a lot of people who are doing what I'm doing, as you can well imagine. Yes. So, um, so probably the youngest person I've seen to date would be about years old and I've seen everybody you know and then right up into the elderly I think uh, recently I had a patient who's 82 years old mm-hmm. so, and everybody
0: in between
3: okay so I do see a wide range yeah mm-hmm.
0: and could you just go into detail of the different therapies that you use within your practice
3: certainly so um Being an integrated medicine physician, you know, we understand that there's a whole lot of layers um, to our, to, to what creates wellness. So, you know, it's, um, it's our relationships. It's, you know, how much stress do we have in our life? So, um, I do a lot of stress management and it also ends up being a lot of counseling as well, kind of life coaching because, You know, just trying to help people find their own particular balance. Um, Sleep is very important in there, and we discuss sleep hygiene as well. Um, I give physical exercise prescriptions too to make sure that people, you know, are doing what they can within the limitations they have to stay physically active and strong, and to help and prevent illness and disease. I do a very big nutritional intake, and I give very specific uh nutritional advice um and I do some uh testing some food intolerance testing um which is an i g g testing, and you know help not with all my patients but with many of them to help be a lot more specific about my nutritional advice and an anti inflammatory diet. I deal with a lot of supplements, so that's vitamins, herbals, botanicals um, is part of what I do. Um, A large subset of the patients that I see also come to me for uh, they're transitioning through different stages of their hormonal life, so I also prescribe bioidentical hormones where appropriate. I also prescribe uh, thyroid hormones where appropriate. And then um, in the last few years, the other thing that I've added to my practice is low-dose naltrexone. So I see so a lot of people are finding me specifically because I do prescribe low-dose naltrexone. Mm
0: -hmm. Could you just walk us through, a patient comes to see you and says that they are feeling unwell and give you this long list of symptoms that they have wrong with them how do you go about diagnosing and finding out what the problem is
3: well quite frankly most of the people who come to me is i'm more of a last resort person Mm -hmm. um and so what what's happened is there are very few people who don't walk into my practice with a diagnosis most of them have Already uh, gone the gamut of conventional care,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and they're feel and they're still not feeling well enough. Um, so they still have a various amount of symptoms, or they're concerned about the medications they're on and the possible side effects that they may experience years later, or these side effects that they're experiencing currently. So very, it's infrequent that I come up with a new diagnosis for most of my patients because usually they've been well worked up and they come with a pile of their tests and consultants' letters, etc. So, again, I'm somebody who they're coming to because uh, conventional medicine is not fully um, helping them at, this, at that time.
0: Okay, so they have all the results and you unravel. Everything and work out a plan on how... Certainly. Like you-
3: so, you know, mm-hmm. what I might do differently is, um, you know, an easy thing is, let's say, a menopausal woman, they may not have had all the tests that I would do.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so I may do a, an expanded array of hormonal testing for that person. Um, so, again, it's not necessarily diagnostic because we already know what the diagnosis is. But now I'm starting to do testing that will help guide me in, uh, in helping to manage this any particular patient.
0: Mm. I mean, I've had people tell me that they've had thyroid um, blood tests to, to check their thyroid and they've come back yeah. negative. You know, they're told that well, they're, they're fine. Exactly. Um, conventional
3: medicine gives a wide range of normal thyroid function. So, um, and, and they tend to suggest treating when a person is significantly hypothyroid. And then sometimes what happens, so I'll see two different sorts of patients. I'll see some who will come in and say, I'm sure I have some thyroid issues. And my doctor says, no, you're, you're within range. But they're in the upper range of what's considered normal in conventional medicine, upper meaning hypo or or I would or the other thing we could call it is thyroid dysfunction. And for those people, when I push their thyroid by giving them some supplementation into a now narrower <laughs> a more optimized range, um, a lot of those symptoms are alleviated. So I see some of those folks. I see some folks who are just on, Synthroid, which is T4, which works for a large amount of the population, but not for some because many of us don't convert T4 to T3, which is the more active form of thyroid hormone. So sometimes by switching them from synthroid to a T4 T3 combination, again, they start to feel a lot better. So, you know, there's a wide range of things that I can do that at this moment, conventional medicine is not addressing.
0: Hmm. And what would you say in a typical month, uh, other than the thyroid patients, would you say you you are treating?
3: So um, I see a lot of autoimmune patients. Um, so uh, rheumatoid arthritis, varying degrees of colitis, uh, lupus, ankylosing spondylitis. Um, and I see also cancer patients, and unfortunately most of the people who come to me are already stage three, stage four cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I also see a lot of uh, cancer patients too, uh, digestive issues, some uh, mental health as well, and you know such as anxiety, depression, um, and again a lot of hormonal.
0: And how do you find LDN treats those patients? I mean, have any of them ever said to you they've had any adverse side effects?
3: Sure. It's a huge spectrum, I find, of results with low-dose and That's basically what I tell our patients is, unfortunately, um, at this moment in time, uh, the big pharma is not really all that interested in doing randomized double-blind control trials with uh, low-dose naltrexone because it's an off-label use and they don't really stand to profit. So anecdotally and also experientially, I've seen a wide range of results, Um, some phenomenal results, and then I've had some people who don't experience that many results. And then I've had some people, you know, a few, not very, most people don't have adverse uh, results where they have to come off of it but I I can think of one patient in particular who felt that um, she had an increase in anxiety and on the low dose naltrexone and uh, wasn't able to tolerate it but for most of my patients um, you know uh, and we started varying degrees and slowly titrated up uh, most of them are able to deal with the minor side effects, which is usually a transient sleep disturbance. The vivid dreams are not usually um, too difficult for them to manage. Some of them are quite happy because they hadn't been dreaming for a while. And um, I've had a few who um, we can't go the full dosage, uh, specifically, oh, and I forgot to mention multiple sclerosis. I see a lot of multiple sclerosis. Um, some of them. I find sometimes they get to a certain level and we go beyond that level and some of their uh, symptoms are exacerbated and we go back down and they still maintain their improvements without uh, fostering the side effects. So, you know, I mean, and this is the whole idea about integrative medicine. And I think, you know, now that the genetic code has been broken and we're starting to learn more and more about genes and pathways is that, People are individuals. They don't all react in the same way to any given medication, and that's what I've been seeing with low-dose naltrexone. Mm-hmm.
0: And do you have any Lyme disease patients?
3: I don't tend to see Lyme disease. That's mm-hmm. that's something I've shied away from. <laughs> so um, so I if. Um, and actually, when you were saying about diagnosing, there's been a few patients who've come to me with some nonspecific symptoms that I've ended up thinking that perhaps they have chronic Lyme.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And then I then I suggest that they go see a Lyme-informed and educated right. oh. physician. Mm-hmm. And uh, one patient said, quote-unquote, that I saved her life oh. um, by diagnosing it. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and she had been to Mayo Clinic. She'd been seeing over 20 other consultants before she came to see me. And when I put it all together, so when we were talking earlier about a diagnosis, that was the one she did go and see a Lyme-informed doctor, had her testing done. She was positive. She's in treatment and she's getting better.
0: Oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. And you were talking about allergies, What has the results been for LDN with allergies? Because uh, having gone over to the States quite a few times now, over in England, the allergies we have are nothing like the allergies people over there have. It must be whatever is in your air over there. But people (laughs) genuinely seem to suffer more with allergies than, than we do.
3: Yeah, you know what? I haven't had too many people with allergies come to me for low-dose naltrexone. And usually, like occasionally, when people are coming to me for other things, I will then bring up low-dose naltrexone. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, most people, they're kind of self-identified. And, you know, they found out information about low-dose naltrexone. Their physicians will not prescribe it. And then they find me. Mm-hmm. Um I can think of one uh, guy, I think he's in his 20s, who it's not allergies, but he has a very rare congenital condition. And sorry, I don't remember the name of it, but it's where he actually grows bony tumors. So it's almost like a neurofibromatosis, but it's actually happening in the bones. But another part of his, Symptomatology is itching, He's you know, and to a very uncomfortable degree. And the low dose naltrexone has basically reduced it by about eighty to ninety percent. Wow! So nice. when, you're, when you bring up allergies again, I don't think I've had that many people come to me for that. But specifically, um, that he had quite a remarkable. Um, improvement in those symptoms, which really made a difference to his quality of life.
0: Mm-hmm. And you also said that you prescribed it for mental health. What has the uh, results of that been?
3: Um, for people with mental health, well, you know, low-dose salteraxone, in the theory is, of course, that it increases endorphins. And um, I think people, you know, overall, one of the really side benefits is there's an enhanced sense of well-being. And I would say that for some people who've been lacking that sense, that it it helps. But again, um, with my multi-pronged approach, I'm also using other... Things simultaneously along with the load of naltrexone for those people, I can't really specifically weed that one out. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that the that some of the most phenomenal results I've had is in, is within multiple scler- sclerosis. In actual fact, those have been some of the most exciting results that I've seen. Where um, a patient of mine was having a lot of issues, she was getting to the point that she's in her late 30s, early 40s, difficulty walking, she's had such an improvement that she's back to horseback riding now, wow. and, and, which was such, you know, a huge thing for her. And she's actually able to exercise and she hadn't been able to for quite a while. Um, so I've had, you know, a few really, she stands out in my mind, but a few very definite improvements with uh, patients with multiple sclerosis um, another one that uh, had an outstanding uh, improvement was a 19 year old patient of mine with severe ulcerative colitis who um, you know she could eat she could hardly eat anything um, and um, she was also on you know biologics through uh, through gastroenterologist which was just m- keeping things under control. We also did prudent intolerance testing. So again, multi-pronged approach, including the LDN. And now she's able to eat a very healthy diet. And um, whereas she was getting IVs um, every four or five weeks, they've been able to lengthen it out to every eight weeks. So she's been able to basically reduce biologics as well. And, you know, she, she's feeling so much better.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So, you know, she's another patient who's had some really exciting results too.
0: So our listeners, if they are wanting to come and have a consultation with you, how would mm-hmm. they go about
3: that? Well, they call one or the other of my offices. Um, I work out of two different clinics. Uh, one in Toronto and one in Burlington, Ontario. And um, they just need to call. <laughs> uh, and if they just go on my, uh, you know, if they just search my name, uh, you'll find me. Or if you search Integrative Medicine Consultants, Inc., you'll find me. But I work at, a, you know, two different clinics and uh, they just need to call and book an appointment.
0: Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you only do face to face consultations?
3: Um, I prefer that, if possible. I prefer the first appointment to be face to face, and then follow up appointments can be over the phone or, or Skype. But just recently, I've you know uh, reviewed my college's. Um, my college's guidelines on telemedicine, as they call it, and um, if somebody is unable to come in, be it for physical problems or distance problems, I've now started to do uh, to do all of it through Skype, as long as it's not detrimental to that person's care. So, if there isn't something that we find that really, you know, they need to be face-to-face. but. Generally speaking, as I've mentioned before, most people are under the care of not just primary care physicians, but consultants as well. So usually I'm just an addition to the care. And that's the way I like to approach it. I I don't want anybody to drop any of their specialists or their primary care physicians. I'm not working as a primary care physician. And the idea is that everything's supposed to work synergistically, and if they're seeing an improvement, much like that young woman whose gastroenterologist saw an improvement, then they, you know, their specialist can start to reduce the other medication.
0: Mm-hmm. So, uh, do I take it that you will contact their primary physician and work together?
3: Um, only with the patient's permission. Uh-huh or request Mm -hmm. because unfortunately some patients are concerned that if their other practitioners know that they're doing something outside of conventional medicine that it may be detrimental to that relationship. So I honor the privacy of each patient and um, if I think it's really a good idea, I'll mention it to that patient, but it's ultimately the patient's choice.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you very mm-hmm. much for being a guest on the show today. We've learned a lot well, from you. Thank thanks for having me. It's been very <laughs> thanks interesting. Thanks for having
3: me. But thank you, Linda. And, and so, you know, again, it's it's really added another layer to my practice. So, you know, thank you for all the good work you're
0: doing. Thank you very much. This show is sponsored by Mark Drugs, who specialise in the custom compounding of medications, assuring that the client gets the proper prescriptions for their unique needs and conditions. They work with practitioners, integrating knowledge and treatment of experts to create comprehensive health plans. Visit markdrugs.com or call Roselle. Six three zero five two nine three four zero zero, 529 or Deerfield 847 Any questions or comments you may have please email me linda linda at ldn rt.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated your company. Until next time, stay safe and keep well.